This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. This compilation show is about how teams bond, a key element of almost every winning era that I've reported on, and one which I think sometimes gets overlooked. We start not on the pitch, but in the studio. Charlie Nick tells us that the chemistry in the Sky Soccer Saturday lineup depends as much on camaraderie as any dressing room he was ever part of. We go uh, sheep herding with Eddie Howe. We play video games with Havoc. You know him better as Michael Carrick. That's all I'm saying about it until later on in this episode. Then we learn from Gordon Strachan that the team that wins together doesn't necessarily have to drink together. I'm going to take the fifth on that. Michael O'Neill explains how he installed within his Northern Ireland squad the spirit, <clears throat> that's spirit rather than spirits, that enabled them to get over the odds and not just reach Euro 2016, but excel once they got there. And finally, we learn from Peter Beardsley that if you ever go to entry, it would be unwise to bet on the fellas with no horse underneath them, international footballers or not. Be just broke. Alan Hansen. You've talked a little bit about atmosphere and the training ground and the dressing room and the unity and whatever. If we skip beyond the, what I call the glory years at Pataudry, if we go to, um, for those who can't see, Charlie is smiling indulgently inside his head, he's saying, stop it. If we could go to Soccer Saturday, I know it's everybody works for a salary, so they pay you to do it. But And also it's clear that it's a clinically researched show and that Jeff Stelling, the host, is very, very talented. But I have a theory that the you know, the fun that the five of you have, but the four ex-pros, it, 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 does it recreate something that all sportsmen and women lose when they stop competing is the banter, the nonsense, mm. the digging of the dressing room and the training room. Is that part of what attracts you four to it as ex-pros? And is, could it be part of what the audience love because they know they're seeing something like if you lifted the lid of a good dressing room and you yeah. saw all the chat. We always find it hard to break down. I've never been more popular when I'm in London. You go through the airports and everybody's, what game are you doing today? And you're like, what game are you doing tomorrow? You go through Glasgow. And it's like, they're fascinated by it. We don't quite understand it. We often say it's like being in the pub with your mates, talking about the game without having a beer or a glass of wine. First and foremost, I mean, this is my 18th year of doing this show, or being with Sky. So I've been there a long time, and I've come through Rodney Marsh, who was very interesting. 
a very, very <laughs> much Col- a... Colourful and forthright. Yes, very, it was a very interesting subject. I actually, people always say that there's certain characters I, would, I wouldn't get on with because I've got quite a happy, outgoing personality. But I always seem to get somebody who's quieter and they, they don't expect to be my mate. I don't know how it works. Uh, they thought Graham Ricks would be a, a little bit like that with me in England, and he wasn't. Pat Jennings, and he wasn't. You know, invited to dinner on a few occasions by, by Pat. Wally Miller at Aberdeen. And everybody went, don't ask Wally to go for a pint. <laughs> Buffalo, you come from... And, and it's just one of those, if you don't ask... He's quite you know, a hard man, demanding yeah, man. but so you it. never find out if you don't ask, do you? There's nothing blasey about it. It's just simply, you know, do you find another mate? Yeah. And uh, these type of things went on more and more as as I was getting older. And just the fabric of, of life changing, mm-hmm. I think. And I try to understand what... Sometimes people seeing us in Soccer Saturday. We find each other interesting. We do like to argue with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not a it's not cover up. Yeah, you not... know, if, if there's a debate going, it's a genuine debate. My favourite is Phil Thompson because I've never known a man who's in his sixties be such a kid and so passionate about his club than he is. Tomo and I share a car going back to the airport after the show, and if Liverpool don't win, he doesn't speak to me. <laughs> He don't. He just don't speak to me, and I don't know if it's personal, but uh, I don't take it as. But this is the type of things. Jeff, I, Cami, in particular, and Tomo, we all meet on a Friday at our hotel. We have a couple of drinks. We don't talk about the show. Mm-hmm. We just talk about life. We talk about families. We talk about anything. Saturday just seems to click. So I, I don't know. But I would say one thing about it is that we are all blessed as ex-players to be on that show because mm. it's we're getting paid for something we dearly love, and of course. If, the fans don't see anything, and they're still listening to us harboring on, letting a radio show. But the genius of it all is Jeff. He's a great guy, as much as he's a great presenter. But he's also, for years and years, Graham, we, I wasn't a big believer in it, but a lot of the guys that I've worked in the media with, I'd always say, oh, you're a journalist, so what, what do you really know about it? And I found that quite weird, because I would think there's a lot of journalists that I was brought up with who were more social than they are with the modern terms now, that I found very interesting guys and very interesting knowledge of the game, and to read your books, for instance. But the old-fashioned guys, and I always thought, well, hold on a minute, why can't a journalist have no knowledge of football? Who are the new modern concept great managers? Do they play football well? Mm. And it's always proved the point, Jeff has a great knowledge of football, Mm -hmm. because he loves it. It's a big compliment. I I understand that, I mean, he works very hard, it takes his responsibility seriously, which in any walk of life, if you research, if you practice... If you're dedicated to it, then whatever talent you have will come out better. And another thing that I appreciate, although it's a side bet to what you've been talking about, is the wit. There's a lot of wit. Mm -hmm. A lot of quick minds there and quick tongues. And I swear again that part of the reason we wanted to do these podcasts is that those of you that we admire, you're very different people than are portrayed on the pitch. Naturally, again, if you had your doubts about why journalists might not be decent company or might be educated about football... The three of us, Martin and Neil, are here, the, the guys who came up with this concept. We know that you're not one-dimensional people. That there is a huge amount of variety and wit and interest in, in footballers who are either just playing, not playing, or on television. And I find that about you, that the four of you convey a side of football that I think we hear about wit and banter and fun, allied to good, strong points of view about the game. That's a yeah. potent mix. It is, a, it is very much a, a kiddies football and dressed room, and that's what footballers are. We've always had the, the childish wit. I mean, at Arsenal, I was there three months 
I, I wasn't shy when I first went in. I was, you know, why would I be holding back? No. Get in there, meet the guys, how are you doing? And I was sick to death after two months that they kept saying, could you slow down a bit? Could you slow down a bit? Could you slow down? And uh, I just kept going. And eventually I did slow down a little bit. But for three months, I kept cutting David Leary's socks. I just kept cutting holes in And every day, it, he knew it was me, but he could never catch me. And eventually he would give in. And, and after three months, I kind of, I've made my impression with him to soften him a bit, to say, you know, I'm here. You can talk to me. I'm approachable. And I became quite pally with him after a while. In group psychology, since we've touched on it, what was very interesting to me is that in the build-up to the um, Champions League final that Klopp took Dortmund to, he opened up his manual on team bonding. Now, maybe I read it wrongly, but I think I read a little word about it. I've done everything. I did sheep herding at Burnley. I, d- I don't quite know what that was about, but I wanted to know. Because Klopp said he took his group of players, he said, we'll go off to a, a Swedish island and we'll be together and we'll catch fish and we'll cook it. He said, it was hell. Said it was mosquitoes. We all got bitten. The lads were throwing up when they were trying to eat the fish they cooked. And he said it still gave us something that unified us. Tell me about team bonding. Give me a laugh about sheep herding, or even explain it. Oh dear, yeah. So um, I'm a big one for team bonding. I mean, from the minute I got the the manager's job at Bournemouth, I was seeking things here, there, and everywhere. So we did the. I think we've done everything. You know, done the the go karting, the paintballing, you name it, the traditional ones we've done. Then at Burnley, I thought, right, let's take this on to another level. So I actually got a letter from this company, Sheep Herding, great team event. So he looked on the internet and I'm like, oh, do you know what, we give this a go. 11 men and the dog. Yeah, basically. And the lads, <laughs> oh dear, the lads turned up and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, this will be good, this, just give it a chance. And the people in the company were brilliant. Yeah, And I've got to say, uh, about 25 players, 20 of the players really enjoyed it and got yeah. something out of it. But there was about five that weren't having it, couldn't get into it. And me being me, ended up having a shouting match with a couple of them because I couldn't understand why they didn't throw themselves into it. We're here, let's give it our best. I was disappointed that they couldn't get their heads around it. That's the beauty of teams, everyone's different. So it was a good learning experience for me and probably something I wouldn't do again but you only learn from, from having a go. That's right, and I think that I draw a correlation between um, success and, and degrees of risk, where so long as your thought process is reasonably good, even if you accept, like, for example, who was the manager at Hull who had the team out sitting at half-time yeah. in it? Phil Brown. Phil Brown. Now, none of us have any idea whether some of the players were going, whoa, this has really woken me up. He just got stick for it. But unless you take calculated thoughtful risks in life then creativity isn't going to flow and you're not going to success you're not going to have success so it's off oh, Phil Brown sorry Phil <laughs> I genuinely mean that I think that you take a couple of risks and sometimes you'll say well look what we've won here yeah I mean I've certainly made a lot of mistakes as a manager in my time but I always look back on those experiences as brilliant things and I think that's the important part of what, what I've tried to do is reflect on myself. Although I say I don't reflect back and look at um, my time in management very often, I do look back sort of daily at what we've done. Was today good enough from us as coaches, as a manager? Was today what I wanted? Did I get out of what I wanted today? Would I do it again? Would mm-hmm. I do it differently? So that constant self-reflection happens every day. 
and little things like the sheep herding, I think that was really important for me. It's my feeling when I speak to current players or ex-players that they will not always be shown an example by the manager who's asked them to do one thing, he'll maybe then go and do another. And I suppose in yeah. human psychology, if you're hierarchical only, you it's say, like, It's okay. like when we went to Scotland. The first thing we went is, right, there's no alcohol in this. Don't even ask me any time. I don't care whether you beat Germany or whatever. There's no alcohol. There's no alcohol in the hotel. Don't ask at any time. Mm-hmm. And then the bombshell come when I say to the staff, you're the same. Mm-hmm. That's never been approached before. The staff can't have a drink. Mm-hmm. Because I say, if you're asking these guys to do it, we can do the same. Mm-hmm. I don't like alcohol. <sighs> Generally, Phil. No, I think any problem that if you look in football or anything goes, you, you pick any problems, social problems that, that happens in a football, alcohol's involved somewhere. Which would include fan behaviour in our lifetime. Everything. Yeah. So uh, I'm fine when I'm in Spain, because you live there and I live there. Mm-hmm. But people don't fight, scrap, mm-hmm. do the rest of it. Even the football teams, you very rarely hear them singing and dancing in, in no. a hotel, which we've had recently here. Does so it's a protection for players as well, to make sure that uh, they don't get themselves in trouble. So but you would argue, and it would be very easy to hear that argument. That that's I did a... drink when I, when I played. Yeah, okay. I did drink alcohol, because that was the environment I got brought up in. I presume uh, you mean you drank a little. Oh, a little, yeah. I'm not talking about drinking. Every, I'm talking about drunk at the weekend after the games and uh, maybe a Wednesday night after the game. But I, I, I learned through Alec Ferguson that this is it, we're disciplined. And I drunk at Man United on a Saturday, which is that was part of the contract. I think you looked in your contract with Ryan <laughs> Robson, like you say, McGrath, you had to drink. <laughs> Allegedly, um, there was a group who knew where the pub was. <laughs> yes, I think that's established. <laughs> right, so, um, yeah, but then I've learned all but, these things myself. But, but, okay, but the point when you began to go, I can't do this anymore, that was because you were learning yourself. No, I but could somebody do it, showed but you, I, didn't want I mustn't do, do it, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's especially I mean. when I become a manager. I think that's when I went, oi, Mm. That's a, at Leeds, I used to socialise and I used to, we used to meet every month on a Saturday night, all the players and the wives have a drink and that was it, so we got together. But when I become a man, I thought, nah, this is wrong, this is wrong. No, that was coming in. I think I had a drink one day when I first did a concert like that. I woke up with the same problems with a hangover. Mm. And it's hard to deal with. Mm. And I'm asking these players, but, you know, so since then... Although it's clear that what you're saying is making obvious sense, and I'm not being sanctimonious because I live a little bit differently to that. So I'm not mucking about now. I'll, I'll, I'll go and have a drink and that's fine because that's my choice. But during my journalistic career, I had dealings with a manager who I like very much and who's been very successful and who very strongly advocated that if you drink together as a group, yeah. you win together. Now, I'm not in any way attacking that, but even the position you've taken as a manager goes against something that's been built up in the British culture that you can make sporting bonds you can make team bonds by going through drinking sessions or drinking regularly together now you don't believe that I feel that's false because when we get a drink there's a false bravado and these kind of drinking things I would say that a lot of times people follow each other and they also say right we'll go play golf together we'll go and play go-karts together we'll go and whatever together but basically winning together bonds you winning and getting beat together and dealing with defeat together and you hurt, you know. If you walk into a dressing room, you see the, this group. I remember the first couple of results with Scotland. You're looking at it, just pop my head in, and the coaching staff, the, the backroom staff, everybody were jumping about enjoying themselves. And you just walk and go, that's nice, good, and walk out again. That's what gets a team spirit. Winning gets a team spirit. The rest of it is a nonsense. 
We're not in the box, but I'm going to ping one at you now to see how your touch is. Who's Havoc? And it's a serious question because <laughs> it's a good question. I've never had that question before in my life. I, 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 I can't reveal my sources yet. It's That's ridiculous. Um, he was. I don't know what he was. Was he? I think. I'd he, like to know. He was Hairwire, I think. <laughs> Oh, Jack, Jack Bauer. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that's payback. You've just had there. You've been done. No, I'll, t- I'll, con- I'll tell you where it's from. The, the purpose of my question in just to have fun, you, you, you talked about earning your spurs in the box mm. and earning trust and whatever, but there are moments when you need to build team spirit and make people who are shy come out. Mm. So, therefore, back to Haywire and Havoc and, yeah. and explain <laughs> it for the, for the people, please, who don't know um, what's going on. <laughs> I'll try my best. We had um, the PSPs, which were like little sort of handheld PlayStations a few years back, and uh, there was a game called SOCOM. It was like a bit of an army game, but it was the only game you could play against each other. You could get like 8v8 just playing against each other, so a lot of the other games was you go and do missions and all that type of thing, but the boys found a game, so we could all play together. All right. So you'd flick like the, flick the button and it would be all wireless, and we'd all connect in the same bit, so we'd be sitting on the coach or sitting on the train or flying... Champions League games or something, and we flick them on, and pretty much a lot of the time we were getting six v six, seven v seven. So, you know, that's pretty much two thirds of the squad mm. playing the game. Exactly. It's not everyone's cup of tea, so there was a few lads that didn't play it, but but straight away there was just a togetherness and a spirit. Yeah. So we obviously we all had names, you know, and there was a wide variety in here. <laughs> Some which must remain secret. <laughs> yeah, we keep a couple of secret, but mine was mine was havoc. I don't know where it come from, but, um, and yeah, it was. It sounds a little thing, but. Literally every, every time we went on a coach, every time we went on a train, whether it's half an hour, whether it's three hours, the game would get played and we'd be into it. And in hotels, we'd, it was even known to like, whoever had rooms next to each other, one team would go in one room, one team would go in the other room. <laughs> and if it worked through the wall, then we'd play against each other. And yeah, that, that was it. It was a, a simple concept, but um, that was probably 2006 to maybe 2009 when we played that for about three or four years. And then we sort of grew out of it after that, but it just it just created a real spirit, and that's from young lads who are coming into the squad, you know, 18, 19 year old, straight away they're in, you know, they're in. It's something to talk to us about, it's something to laugh about, it's something to give them a stick about, and yeah, it was it was it was it was a massive thing for us in the, in the dressing room. You can imagine the. I bet there are people now. I think I'd, I'd love to play that, mm. but I, I guess it also fought off two enemies as well, which would have been the boredom. I guess the general public don't understand how, and it sounds rubbish even when I say it, life in a plane, life in a hotel yeah. can be. Yeah, you don't, it's one of them things, you know, you can't really complain about it too much because. But, but it is a fashion. But when you're in it, it's, yeah, it's not an easy thing to deal with all the time. And something like that, instead of thinking, oh, we're on another plane for three hours, the boys were getting excited and we're going, come on, let's pick the teams we're on. Who's, you know, who's going to be the best, this and that, who's going to be MVP? And, so yeah, there was an enthusiasm and, a, and an excitement about it instead of all sitting there with whatever it was, DVDs, iPads, headphones on. Solitary. Yeah, and then you wouldn't, no one would speak to each other for three hours type mm-hmm. thing. It was a way of just getting everyone together and I'll be honest, there was times when it got a bit loud and a bit, the boss shouted back a few times to, to shut up. 
Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, if he played, what would his? Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. I'll let you pick him. That was a bad one. I, no, I'll I'll take you, that back. You can pick him. We, we can wipe. We can wipe. <laughs> Sorry, Alec. Um. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, I think the biggest thing for us in terms of our success today and, and I think continuing to be successful is, you know, spirit is massive for us. You know, we, we won't have the best squad of players at the tournament. The players know that. They've openly said that themselves. But what we have and what has got us to this point is we've built a really strong spirit within the group. When you're picking players from different levels of football, which we do, you know, at times there's a massive gulf in terms of players' earnings and yeah. all of that kind of thing, which I always think is testament to, if you want to put about our big hitters, for, for want of a better word, is because they are so... Humble, you know, they're very good. You know, I won't put words in your mouth, but I'm, I would suggest Johnny would probably be Johnny Evans would, given where he's been, the responsibility in his shoulders, he'd be right up there in that group you're talking about. The yeah. big hitters, the big earners, totally. different Johnny experience. Davis, you know, Brunt McCauley, the players that have played consistently, you know, in the Premier League, you know, they come in our group, they mix with there's no, no differential between them, you know, they're good pals. You see the likes of. You know, Josh McGuinness, for example, who's playing here in the SPL. We know that money in the SPL is not, a, a, you know, it, it, it's not abundant at this minute in time. You know, he's a big part of our group and he, he mixes well. And, you know, the, you see it in, in terms of how they are about the hotel, what they do as a group, what they do when they do things together. There's no, uh, you know, differential in terms of any types of clique in our group. And I was surprised. It was, it was actually Craig Cathcart rooms with Sheehan Ferguson. And they're two polar opposites in terms of, you know, Craig's, first of all, they're both different religions, which isn't, isn't an issue. But, you know, it's, they come from... There totally, might have been a yeah. time when it might have been. They're totally, to, their backgrounds are totally different. 
I, I would say I come from. And yet him and Fergie would have been the most unlikely room combination that I, that I would have thought. And yet, you know, they got on great. They got on like a house on fire. And those are the things that I think in this squad I've seen better than in the early days. Not that it was bad in the early days, but it never got to the level that it's got to now. When you get like 22, 23 lads, they actually seem to enjoy each other's company. It's unusual, to be honest, because, you know, in that number, there's generally always one or two, you know, will be a little bit more isolated, a little bit more insular. But we don't seem to have that in this group. Do you think about your room pairings and, and, and who should work with whom just to build a bit of a bond or...? Yeah, I think it's important. It is important. And it's funny, we, we give the more senior players the option to room on their own if they want. And it's funny that, you know, they, if they want to room on their own and the likes of Stephen Davis and Chris Baird don't take that option. They prefer to room together. Johnny and Corey room together, so it's still like, it's almost probably as if they're back in the house when they were you kids. automatically, when you see that, it's a brilliant litmus test, isn't it? Yeah. You automatically know that something's good there. Yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. And, and you see it when they're a nice feeling in the group when they're at dinner. We, we normally have the hotel set up for them where they'll eat, obviously, and together, but we have a, you know, a games room right next to it or p- as part of the... And, and they, they're not in a hurry to get away. All of those kind of things I, I, I think are nice and, and uh, it's encouraging. And, and I think that we can look forward to the summer if you're going to spend that much time together. You know, as, as I said to the players, and I says, listen, it's not my job as the manager to amuse you, you know. <laughs> Might be Jimmy's. <laughs> but <laughs> but it probably will be. Yeah. It'll, not be, it'll not be my job. You know, like, so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly speaking to Stephen, listen, you have to make sure that, you know, we don't let that become a factor in this, we, that the time we spend together, that this is a memorable experience. Because you hear... Fantastic. Yeah, you, you hear... You hear ex- players coming away oh it was the worst I yes. couldn't wait to get home you yeah. know I couldn't I don't want it to be like that I want every player that comes away to say it was fabulous to be part of that tournament you know I felt so involved it was a great experience for me I only got 10 minutes on the pitch or I didn't get any minutes on the pitch but it's something that they'll bring with them for the rest of their career and, and as I said like you know I've said since qualification the tournament should be the next phase of us like we want to come here again we don't want to be 30 years a generation you know we, we want this to be the first step of a continued challenge to qualify which we haven't done enough I've got very little to input to somebody who's proved to be a fantastic man manager group manager philosopher and, and psychologist but when you give the keys to the room out on the first day in France in the hotel be very careful that one of the players doesn't necessarily get the biggest room and that's not because of egos but in 2008, when Spain, the eventual winners, got to their hotel, for some fluke, Juan Captavilla, the Villarreal left-back, who'd play all the way through that tournament and the next tournament in Superb and underrated, got a very big room and it became the social centre. And it was very happy until at night when he was left on his own and he thought there was a ghost. And he couldn't <laughs> sleep in it until he called Santi Cazorla to move back in with him. <laughs> and he was taunting the whole tournament with this ghost. He, he was absolutely convinced that there was a ghost in his room. So I don't, I'm not actually advocating exorcisms. Right. <laughs> but just be careful who gets the big, sort of spooky, scary room. Yeah, just okay. to, that's the only thing I've got to input on that. <laughs> that idea about um, if they approach it and have it as a memorable experience... You reckon that, one, that would augment the existing team spirit and be, people would be pulling for each other and working hard in training, even if... Because you've spoken really well about knowing that certain players in a 22, 23-man group probably aren't going to get game time. Yeah. But it's imperative that every working day, every working session, 
they're pushing the players who are going to play. Mm -hmm. So therefore, this there needs to be a sort of unity. And nobody on the on the training pitch in France is saying, "Well, you know, I'm just in, a, in an hour I'm going to be on the beach or out in the lounge just catching a tan because there's nothing else for me." They yeah. want to push yeah. your starting guys into top form. Yeah, I think so. It, it's it's very important. You know, we do a lot of tactical work. We've become a good team without the ball. That was always on part. You know, we had to become a good team without the ball. We have to recognise that. You know, if we go and play against teams with, with better players, bigger nations, that we may not have as much of the ball as what we would like. When you do that type of work and training, it's not always the most enjoyable type of work. It's difficult work for players at times, and and you have to get a. You have to make sure that the length of time that you do it for is nailed down because I think if you overdo it, you lose the message. So and the repetition of it is very important as well. So repeating it you know without them going oh we're doing this again that type of thing but it only works if the players as a group buy into it that's what we've had and to be fair Stephen Davis after we qualified in Finland or well we qualified after we we got the point in, in, in game 10 in Finland you know I'd said to Stephen maybe you should say something after the game I just said listen maybe you should say something so the president had come in Jim Shaw had come in and spoke to the players a magnificent achievement first time Northern have ever won a qualification group and then Stephen spoke and he thanked the players who hadn't played so much yeah, brilliant, yeah. and it was more powerful coming from him than me do you know what I mean it's far more powerful and you know that because he acknowledged the fact that it doesn't work. You know, when we do tactical stuff, when we do 10 v 10, when we try and do this, it does not work unless they embrace it. Yeah. And sometimes it's difficult, that work, because you're going to lads and you're asking them to do something. You play them out of position, for example. I mean, Josh is a great example, Josh McGinnis, because there was one game where I said, Josh, I'm going to need you to play centre-half and the other team, and he just went, that's no problem. Brilliant. You know, he, he did, as opposed to thinking, well, I'm not going to get in the team at centre-half, so, you know, what's the point of me doing this and that type of thing? You know, the sacrifice, he was prepared to listen as long as it adds value to the group. That type of thing is what will, when we go away, for that length of time, that 30-odd days that I'm talking about, that type of sacrifice will be so critical for us. It'll give us a chance in the games. Do you know, I mean, I'm amongst the things that stand out about you, and there are many. It's remarkable listening to you for the second time in a short mm. space of time. I'm in already. You've got, you've got my complete mm. conviction, and if I were one of your players, then I'd be ears pricked back genuinely speak as if you've been at two or three long tournaments yourself as a player <laughs> you know <laughs> how the hell because you also as successful as you are right now you are making a step into if not the unknown something that you don't have first hand experience of mm-hmm. but I've watched international managers during my journalistic career mm-hmm. not have that much savvy or know-how going into a tournament I, th- I think the biggest thing is preparation and what I mean by that is that that sounds a really obvious statement, but what I mean by that is that the players see the level of preparation that you've gone to because then they actually, I think there's an element of respect from that. A good example of that, when we, we went to South America on a tour before the, at the start of this, this campaign, it was just before the 2014 World Cup, it was a tour that had been offered to a few countries. I don't think we were the first choice, let's just say. <laughs> and I think people were going, I don't fancy that tour. But we took it, and uh, you know it was a game against Uruguay and Chile. You know, like anything, there's a bit of negotiation with the association and difference. We had players that didn't want to go at that stage of the season. 
you know, and I was a bit disappointed with that, but I had to accept it. You know, that's the end. Of, you know, I don't have enough players where I can say, well, if you don't go, you're never going to be picked again. For example, I don't have that luxury or that, I suppose, hold over the players. And the reasons were genuine in most of the cases, so we got on with it. But the players who went came back and said it was one of the best tours they'd ever been on. I went out with just myself and David Curry, the team liaison, prior to that. And, and we did like a whirlwind four-day tour of, of South America, flying into Montevideo, making sure the hotel was right, making sure the training facility was right, flying to Chile, doing the same thing, looking at different... I left nothing to chance because I thought, if I take these guys away and this is a disaster, it's going to be such a negative going into the first game of the Euros. And I think the players saw the level of preparation that I'd gone to and responded because of that. You know, it was interesting. We had, we had six business class seats on the plane, and I got, we gave them the six most experienced players. We gave them, you know, to, to Davis, to Baird, the players like Aaron Hughes, and, and we did it on caps. And then, you know, we had some premium economy seats and some economy. Mm-hmm. And we, but we flipped it on its head for, and the boys are appreciate. we flipped it on its head for the flight from uh, Montevideo to Santiago, which was only a couple of hours. But all the staff got to sit in, in business class then and the guys. So there was a good bond. There was something developing then. You know, we were beaten narrowly by Uruguay 1-0. Chile beat us 2-0, scored twice in the last the Chile minutes. team that would go on and knock out Spain, the, the, yeah. the holders, yeah. about four weeks later and outplay them dramatically. Yeah, and they were a phenomenal team. Yep. I mean, it was an education for me as a coach to go and watch Chile and how they played. And it was, it was phenomenal, you know, in terms of how they played and that type of football, you know, and, and how we, we had to play to try and combat that. You know, to try and play against that. But that, those things, I think, are, are, I suppose, maybe that type of preparation, getting back to your original sort of question, hopefully, as I say, the players will have, will have seen the level of preparation, not only myself, but the level of preparation from the association, from the, 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 you know, the people on the ground, the backroom, what, what they've done. And, and you know, I think that all helps. There's, that, that all helps in the mood. You know, I feel at the minute that sometimes in international football there can be distance between the people in the association and the players. Mm. I feel that now in our association that distance doesn't really exist and that's a healthy thing. Too often people come and ask you to do stuff and players go, no, I'm not doing that. We're not getting that scenario. It's very important. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. A lot of work has gone in to make the, the players feel their achievement of qualification is recognised within the stadium. The stadium at home now is a, is, is, a, is a positive place to be for the players. Too often and too long, it wasn't, it wasn't that. And uh, as I say, whilst I don't have this, the experience of getting to a tournament, I think you know, what we have done will hopefully you know, stand us in good stead. You said it was perfect, but it, it wasn't kind of... So their ending was perfect, and that season was perfect. It wasn't quite perfect, because Kevin found out that, no, his legs had gone, but you drew Liverpool in the cup. Yeah. And he kind of... I suppose if... Maybe it was a good way. If you're going to realise that it's the time to go, do you want to realise away at Brentford? Or do you want to yeah, yeah, realise that in, in the cathedral to your own achievements, yeah. as Kevin did no, it? No, absolutely. What was it? It was a cup? cup yeah, game? it was the FA Cup. It was one of the first Friday night BBC games. We stayed at the Haydock Thistle. Our pre-match sort of training was Haydock Racecourse getting over the hurdles. Arthur Cox had us getting over the hurdles. The racecourse... You're not selling me a Terry no, Gorath no, here, are you? No, no, I'm telling you the truth. We had to, basically... <laughs> that was our warm-up on the Friday morning. Basically, some of us had to get over the hurdles. It was almost like a test. I'd be Well, it was there. a fun it's, test. It's like... No, no, absolutely. It's like nothing, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. It's just like... Were you blinkered? 
Well, to be fair, I wish I had been. <laughs> it's uh, the only other time it ever happened, Graham, and it obviously relates to Liverpool. We used to go to Aintree. Yep. So, depending on Liverpool, Everton, one of us on the national day, obviously we'll play at home, 11.15 in the morning. Yeah. And we actually played Sheffield Wednesday at home and we won 5-1 at Anfield and then we went to the races. Alan Hansen and John Barnes, believe it or not, started on the, the starting line and the, the bet was the first one that could get over the first hurdle at the entry. And they came back with scratches. And <laughs> it was incredible. With jockey, as we call them, was just like, wow. It was just unbelievable. They obviously had one beer too many or one glass of wine too. But, but had to win. They, they wouldn't let it go. And honestly, when they came back, uh, we all had suits on. And it, wow. <laughs> it was like they'd been beat up. It was like so funny. But like, that's the way football was. How much do you get in life that's completely free, reliable, regular, good for your sex life, and free? Yeah, the big interview. All of these, in their full form, and many more, are available if you search for the big interview on ACAST, that's A-C-A-S-T, iTunes, or usually wherever you get your podcasts. The big interview was the idea of Backpage, and it's produced by them. Thanks to Beer Jacket for the music. Keep up to date with everything that we're doing at grahamhunter.tv where there's a little box where you fill in your email address and if you sign up there, you'll get our newsletter which includes the opportunity to put your questions to our guests. We're on Facebook, search for The Big Interview and GH Podcast on Twitter plus Instagram. Keep in touch. Let us know what you think. More soon, baby. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.